Well, good morning, New Song Online. It's so good to be here with you. My name is Peter. I am uh, part of the elder board here at New Song Church. And I just want you to know that we are excited that you're here. Wherever you're coming from, your living room, your bedroom, your family room, maybe the kitchen, maybe outdoors, I don't know. But it's such a blessing to have you here, however you're joining us. Um, wherever you're coming from, Facebook, YouTube, on our website, you know, there's so many different options. But uh, we're excited that you're here. If you're a guest with us, I would just invite you to head over to our website and fill out one of our digital connect cards. Um, that's a way for us to get to know you better, um, to maybe find ways to reach out with you, uh, to you and connect with you. We also have a digital prayer wall there. In these times, you know, there's so many different prayer requests that we're becoming aware of, and uh, we want to be able to support you. So please feel free to submit prayer requests as well. Um, we've been relying on Facebook a lot, so uh, if you have the ability, I would encourage you to follow us on Facebook, New Song San Dimas. Um, we'll be posting a lot of information there about what's coming up and, and how we're going to be handling things uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, regardless of the things that are happening in the world, uh, we still have a mission statement here at New Song, and that mission is uh, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. And now we're finding new ways to do that um, in this new, new way of uh, that things are happening in the world. And it's not always easy, but I do want to let you know that our elder board is meeting and talking about these things and trying to come up with new ways to, uh, to connect with you uh, and to f fulfill the, the mission statement and, and have our ministries continue. Um, so we would ask for your prayer in those areas. Please uh, lift our elder board up in prayer as we kind of navigate these times. Um, I also would just encourage you to remember that um, New Song operates based on the gifts that you give. And uh, we, we still are in need of those gifts to keep, uh, keep these ministries alive. You know, there's going to be some in our congregation that are going to be in need during this time. Uh, and there's going to be those that will be able to step up and do a little bit more to provide for those needs. And we want to be able to, to take care of our congregation. So I just encourage you to, uh, as you are able and as you are willing, to give. We have different ways that you can do that. Go over to our website, uh, maybe on the church app. You can also text to give. And, of course, you can always mail a gift in to the church office. So um, if you would, just join me in prayer right now um, as I lift up our um, offerings to the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, in these difficult times, we know that you are in control. God, we know that no matter what uh, happens with uh, the world around us with uh, our own finances um, and with various uh, difficulties and limitations that we have. God, that you, you are aware and you know. So God, I pray that as, uh, as people consider how and what to give right now, God, I pray that you would just um, bless uh, what those are able to give and, and the monies that, uh, that we have. God, I pray that you would help us have wisdom and how to best use those. Uh, to connect with our community. God, we are grateful for your provision. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hello, my name is Melody, and I am happy to be with you this morning um, in this new and exciting way to be gathering with you. Uh, I'm just excited to be able to join you wherever you are. Um, if you would, I would love to see uh, pictures of where you're um, watching this from or perhaps just a comment of where you're joining in from. I would love to see that in the comments. It's also a great way to stay connected and just see what everyone is doing um, during this time. So take a picture, post it in the comments, and I would love to see you later on. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get us started with a little bit of prayer. Would you join me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for this time that we are able to come to you and gather. God, I ask that no matter what time it is, no matter where someone is, that you would speak to their hearts through this message, Lord. Lord, would you speak to each and every person individually where they are? Speak to them how you need to speak to them, Lord. Lord, let them have a heart to hear you. God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this opportunity to speak your words, Lord. Lord, would you be here this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been almost five months since I received that phone call. It was early morning, and I picked up the phone, and I said, I'm sorry, what did you just say? And the voice in the phone call through a cracked voice and tears said, Melody, Jazzy has died. Melody, Jazzy is gone. And again, I look at my phone and I can see that it is my friend Stephanie on the line, but what did she just say? What did she just say? And she says again, Melody, Jazzy died last night. Melody, Jazzy is gone. So I fell to the floor in, in tears and in anguish and in hurt, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And Stephanie, Jazzy's mom, was on the line crying and crying with me. What was happening? Did she just tell me that nine-year-old Jazzy, who was just fine yesterday, is gone? I don't, I don't understand. Through tears and through barely being able to breathe, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we cried. A few minutes later, I call my four children up back upstairs. They were downstairs having breakfast, getting ready for school. And I had to tell them that their friend Jazzy, who was 10 days away from her 10th birthday, was gone. I took the kids to school and I headed over to Rocky and Stephanie's house. And the house was just frozen in silence. 
all you could hear was the sniffling of the people in the house, of the family and friends that were showing up. I sat next to Stephanie and I cried. I turned my head and I saw Rocky. And he was also just frozen where he stood. It seemed as though he could not take one more step. His eyes were so swollen from crying, he could barely open them. I have never, ever, ever in my life seen a man so broken. Alyssa and Sammy were on the couch covered in blankets, but their hands, their face in their hands. Because as more and more people showed up, this became more and more real. Grandma Rosa soon showed up and sobbed with her son. Jazzy was gone. I left a little while later. How could this be happening? What was happening? Jazzy was fine and now she's gone. How do we wrap our heads around this? The next day, Chris took the day off of work and we went together to the Madrano's house this time. And we sat around their kitchen counter and we cried all morning. At one point in the morning, Rocky looks directly at me and he says, Melody, where is Jazzy right now? And I say to him, I believe that Jazzy went straight into the arms of our Heavenly Father. Out of all the times I have experienced death in my life, this was by far the hardest. Because just because I knew that Jazzy went straight into the arms of our Heavenly Father did not mean I was okay with it. It filled me and a lot of people around me with questions, with anger, with frustration. Why? Why would a fun-loving, spunky nine-year-old girl, 10 days shy of her 10th birthday, have to die? How do we make sense of all this? Still to this day, there is no medical reason as to why Jazzy died. This was the hardest experience I've ever had to walk through with friends. And while, yes, it was the hardest experience, it was also an experience where I have never in my life felt the realness of hope. I have never in my life felt the truth of hope as I did during this time. I asked Rocky and Stephanie if I could share this story with you, and in fact, they're listening with you also. And they did not hesitate. They did not hesitate. They said, yes, Melody, share. Share it because we know that that hope is true. We know that that hope is real. They said yes, because they want you to know that hope is not just a pretty sign that's up in their hallway. Hope is something real to them. Hope is something that they are holding on to on their darkest nights. They're holding on to that hope. And that is a hope that only Jesus gives. You see, death is a reality for all of us. But Jesus came to change that reality. Death is not final. He came 
so that we could spend eternity with him. That is the hope. And not only is that the hope, but he gives us a hope here on earth that while we are living through different situations, different circumstances, there is a hope that we can hold on to that is real, that can hold us through our darkest times, that can hold us through our despair. Maybe you haven't dealt with death so closely, but maybe you've experienced a death of a different type or a loss of a different sort of situation. Maybe you were pursuing dreams and had future plans and those plans are, are no longer there. Those dreams are crushed. Maybe you're dealing with another different type of loss. Maybe you're trying to form a family and you're going through infertility. Maybe you're, you're mourning a relationship that no longer exists. Whatever the loss is for you, whatever the loss is for you, we can all agree that they all have the same thing in common, that some days it feels as though there's only despair. Some days it feels like there's no hope. Today we're gonna be looking at a passage in the Bible that tells us about a family that was dealing with death and despair. And they were asking the same questions, trying to make sense of it all. They knew, they knew Jesus in person. They knew him in person. And the family had different reactions. One of them held on to her hope and trusted that Jesus was in control. But the other one didn't have the hope. She sat there in her despair, in her resentment, in her anger and frustration. In this series we're going through right now, The Journey, this is the last miracle Jesus performed before he is crucified on a cross. And it's interesting that this part of the journey stops here at death. It stops here at death. But that is not where the journey ends. In fact, it is quite the opposite, is where the journey begins. Let's read John 11, 1 through 17. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God would receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During, this, during the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. 
Then he said, Our dear friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought that Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go, too, and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. So what is going on here? Let me break down this timeline for you just a little bit. Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, has fallen ill. And so Lazarus' sister, Mary and Martha, send a message to Jesus and they say, hey, your friend is sick because they know, they know that Jesus loves Lazarus. They know that he would want to come and be with him. And Jesus' response is, is kind of confusing because he gets the message, but he stays where he is for two extra days. Now, this was just fine with his disciples because, as they said, the last time they were there, they tried to stone him. So they were fine. When Jesus finally decides to go, that's when they speak up. That's when they speak up and they say, hey, wait a minute, let's think about this. Because last time you were there, they tried to kill you. And so Jesus essentially tells them, I am the light. I am the light. And you know what? Maybe if we go and I wake Lazarus from his sleep, maybe then you'll believe who I say I am. So let's go so I can show you plainly. <clears throat> By the time they get back to Bethany, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And in Jewish tradition, a spirit could hover for three days or so after a person had died. But by day four, with no nourishment, no food, no water, wrapped in clothes in a grave, Lazarus was gone. He was gone. So they get to Bethany, and this is what happens in verse 18. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at that last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes will live Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die again. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I, will, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. 
When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. They followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up in him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Have you ever been in those people's shoes or in the sister's shoes? Real questions as to why Jesus seemingly did nothing. They come face to face with him, with the person of Jesus, and they say to him, had you been there? Have you had a situation in your life where you ask God, why? Why had you been there? Why didn't you do anything? You could have done something. When someone is diagnosed, when someone's life is cut short, when it feels unfair, when it feels unreal, when it feels unloving, when it feels like a betrayal. Mary and Martha have a history of reacting differently when it comes to Jesus. And we'll talk about Martha in a second, but Mary's reaction, Mary's reaction is so human. So human. I think sometimes we read these stories in the Bible and we forget the humanity behind these stories. She knows that Jesus has arrived, but she stays in the house. She doesn't go to meet him. She's mad. She's hurt. She resents him right now. The girl who was sitting at his feet, soaking up every single word he had to say, did not express any hope in this situation. She has a reaction that is completely understandable. Why would he bother showing up now? Martha's reaction, on the other hand, she runs out to Jesus. She runs out to him. She and Mary both had the same exact first words. They both said, if only you had been here. But Martha, unlike Mary, follows it up with this statement in verse 22. But even now I know that God will give you whatever, she, whatever you ask. She believes he's in control. And here's what happens next in verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone, with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. 
Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. And that's the end of our scripture reading today. And that's actually it. That is the end of the story here. Lazarus is not mentioned until much later when he's basically sitting around a table eating with Jesus. There's no grand finale here. There's no account of what Lazarus experienced during those four days of being gone. He didn't stand on a mountaintop and talk about those four days. He didn't go preaching to people. He nothing that's recorded. There's no grand finale here. So what's the purpose of this story? What's the purpose behind Lazarus's death and resurrection? You see, at first glance, this would probably just look like a miracle story. But this story involves so many different things. So many different things. Fewer passages in the Bible are actually filled with so much hope. Why? Because tell me, tell me what occasion in life feels more hopeless than death? Tell me what else feels so final? Death is final, but not with Jesus. Jesus came to change all of that. Jesus himself said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? His eyes were locked on Martha. And he asked her, do you believe? He asked Peter in Matthew 16, he said, Peter, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. In Matthew 9, Jesus asks blind men, do you believe I am able to do this? Many times in Jesus' teachings, he says, do you believe? Do you believe? Someone also came up to him and said, Lord, if you say, if you, if you can do this, could you do this? And he responds and says, if I can, if, do you know who I am? So if Jesus were to ask you today, do you believe in me? Do you believe in my power? What would you say to him? Throughout his ministry, Jesus made bold claims and many statements that a lot of people didn't like, especially the Jewish leaders. And I think today, here in our time, we're challenged by things. We're challenged by things with overwhelming things, things we don't like, things we don't understand. But if you were face to face with Jesus today and he had his eyes locked on you and he were to tell you, do you believe? Despite all the pain, despite all the suffering, despite all the misery, do you believe that I have a plan? Do you? And that's a hard question. That's a hard question. How would you answer it? You see, we're tempted to believe only what we can figure out, and that is so limited. That is so limited. You might tell me, yes, Melody, we're limited in our understanding, but here I can read. 
I can read that Lazarus was raised from the dead and Jesus performed these miracles. That worked out great for them. But what about my situation? What about Stephanie and Rocky's situation? If you were to ask me that, I'd point you right back to the Bible. And I'd say, look at the people that walked right alongside him. Look at Martha. Look at the disciples. Despite the fact that they walked the earth with Jesus, saw the miracles they saw, heard the teachings that he taught, they were eyewitnesses to all of this. They still had trouble understanding. Our human logic cannot account for the plan and the power of God. They didn't understand it, and we cannot understand it. But do we trust it? Our human logic cannot account for the power or the plan of God. Do you trust it? His purpose is far beyond what we can imagine. And that's what I would tell you. That's what I would tell you. I don't, and that's what I, that's what I told the Madranos. I don't know why Jazzy died. I have no explanation for that. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. We may never understand it in this lifetime, but do you trust that there is someone in control? Do you trust it? So if we believe that, if we believe that, then so now what? What do we do? What do we do? Well, first of all, it is okay to not understand it. And it is okay in our not understanding it to feel fearful. It's okay to feel fearful. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel hurt. Jesus struggled with these emotions. He didn't tell Mary that she shouldn't have these feelings. He didn't tell Mary to move on. He didn't tell Mary to shove her feelings down. He mourned alongside her. He mourned alongside her. You don't have to numb your pain, escape from it, or push it down. You're invited to express your grief and take this grief directly to him. When we've taken our grief to Jesus, that's when we can say, okay, now what? This is my new reality. Now what? Only Jesus can offer you the inner peace to your anguish and your fear. The problem with our fear is that when we let it take it over, when we let our fear take over, it causes us to minimize God's power and his provision. And the problem with fear is that it is so powerful that we fixate on it. We fixate on it. We fixate on what's lacking. We fixate on what's wrong in our situation. We're essentially telling God, you are just not enough to conquer this for me. You are not big enough. You are not mighty enough. You are not strong enough. You are just not enough. And we let our weaknesses, our doubts, our fears trump his strength. We let emotions shape our truth rather than the truth shape our emotions. So we have to take this to him. He can take it. He can take your fears. He can take your doubt, your anger, your frustration, but you have to take it to him. And then ask 
Well, now what? Well, now there's a gap. There's a gap between our understanding and God's purposes. There's a blank space in between. And the blank space is between our expectations and our reality. And only God is in control of that. And in that gap, in that blank space, we can either let disappointment, resentment, fear, anger, and frustration grow, or we can invite God in and say, help me with this, and we can let hope grow. In John 10, Jesus said, I have come to give you life, a rich, abundant life. In the blank space, we have to be able to trust him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That is the truth of the blank space. We need to lean on him with all our weight. Our normal response to uncomfortable situations, to sticky situations, to, is how can I get out of here as quickly as possible? But God wants to invite you into that space to show you his power of resurrecting your heart. He wants to resurrect your heart, even if that means a daily resurrection of your heart. Because we have good days and we have not good days because we are human. God can do so much in that blank space. Even the times we're living in right now, even in the times where we're doing our best to stay connected and stay positive, some of us have, have experienced loss. Loss of a job, loss of finances, loss of plans we had, loss of the ability to be physically close to one another. There's loss in there. Loss of a sense of safety. Maybe some of that will come back, and maybe some of it won't. But I have said this several times in almost all of my messages, is that we don't get to know the why. We only get to know the how. And the how is through the name of Jesus Christ himself. That is the only thing we get to know. If Jesus would have come as quickly as the sisters wanted him to come, and they would have healed Lazarus, God's glory and power would not have been displayed. He had a plan. They didn't know that. He had a plan. Not only that, but by the time Jesus did get there, a large crowd, it says, had been gathered. And the crowd was able to see God's glory and power. What could God be doing through you that he wants to show his glory and his power through you? The crowd there witnessed all of this. I wonder how often our notion of the way things ought to be blinds us from what actually glorifies God. Because again, our human logic is so limited. So limited. Well, again, you'll tell me, Melody, that's great, but what about the broken pieces of my life? I have things in shambles right now. What about that? And I will tell you, God cares about those broken pieces in your life. God cares about those shambles. In John 6, Jesus finished, 
feeding 5,000 people. And at the end, he tells his disciples, collect the leftovers. Let nothing be wasted. Nothing is overlooked by God. God is not fickle. God is not forgetful. He has a plan and a purpose, even for the broken pieces of our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Today may be filled with hard situations, but nothing is overlooked by God. Not the broken pieces, not the leftovers. Nothing is overlooked by God. Peace does not come with understanding. Hope does not come with understanding. It's, in fact, it's quite the opposite. Peace and hope comes from, comes from having us drop to our knees drop to our knees and lift our hands in the air and say, your will be done. That's when peace and understanding and hope comes. So what's in the tomb for you today? What's behind that stone? What have you buried away? Have you lost someone and you just don't understand why? What seemingly hopeless situation in your life have you given up on? What unanswered questions do you have in that tomb? What's behind that stone for you? What have you buried away? Is it a vibrant faith that you have let get stagnant and sour and just go with emotions? Is it a positive attitude that now is a negative cloud that just follows you around everywhere? What is in that tomb for you? Is it feelings of hurt and resentment and anger and frustration? What's in that tomb for you? God might answer your prayers and he might not, but do you trust him? Do you trust him that he knows the answers and he knows the way even when you don't? His eyes are locked on you. He is asking, do you trust me? What's in that tomb that needs to be resurrected today? Is it faith? Is it hope? Nothing on this earth has a final say. Nothing. Death does not have a final say. Cancer does not have a final say. Divorce doesn't have a final say. Heartbreak, doubt, you fill in the blank. Whatever it is, that does not have the final say. Jesus will win every time. But you have to answer his call. When he calls you and says, rise up, you have to answer the call. He calls you to rise up out of that tomb, resurrect your heart and your trust in him. He calls you out of that sleep that you have been in. He calls you to take a breath. Opening doors and rolling away stones are his specialty. That's what he does. That is his specialty. You will not encounter any situation in your life where God cannot be glorified. But you need to invite him into that blank space. 
Maybe it's not you who's experiencing some sort of loss. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone else right now. When Jesus met the sisters there, he wept with them. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to weep with those who weep. We had Jazzy's memorial service right in this room, her casket, right down here. And that is a day I will not forget. 400 people, more than 400 people, filled this room to mourn and to cry and to weep alongside the Madranos. People who didn't even know them showed up. People from the community, people all over the place showed up. When we love others, we weep with those who weep. Does someone in your life need direction, need hope, need a resurrecting of their heart? Can you point them in that direction, even though you don't know the plan? Can you help them get there? We live in a world that has two options, hope or despair. We have to make a daily choice, a daily choice to rise up and choose hope beyond our understanding. Learn from this story. Learn from Mary and Martha. Learn from them. We have to hold true to the promises he makes. He came to give you life, an abundant, full, rich life in eternity, but also here on earth, a hope here on earth that you can hold on to until that glorious day. We're going to hear a song right now, and this song says that you can hear the voice of Jesus calling you, rise up. Have you been sleeping? Rise up and get out of that tomb. Jesus does things that we will never understand. And again, our human logic will never be able to grasp that. But he is God. We are not designed to understand it. We are designed to trust it. In verse 25, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe?
Thank you so much to Susan and Caroline and Justin and Jason for that bit of music uh, to follow Melody's wonderful word this morning. Uh, it's our habit on Sundays to pray together. Uh, we believe that prayer is central to everything that we do at New Song and especially at a time like this, the call to prayer is, is even more important. So will you join me uh, wherever you are this morning, uh, whatever time of day it is, in a prayer uh, together to our Lord. Dear Lord and Father of us all, we thank you that in the very real midst of this world that is filled with trouble, you call us to prayer. We come in answer to that call. We come like little kids, not knowing all the answers, not understanding the mysteries of your will, nor the complexity of our current circumstances. But we come to you because we need your power in our powerlessness. We need your peace when we find ourselves rattled and shaken by bad news and touched by fear and anxiety. We need your perspective when we lose our own. And we need and we long for your very presence to speak into our hearts, minds, imaginations. Give us faith. Deepen our belief in and actual experience of your faithfulness throughout these seasons and circumstances, moment by moment, day by day, decision by decision. We want to know you. We seek you and we call out to you for rescue and for renewal. We affirm that our current circumstances did not take you by surprise. You continue to offer us a path forward that is good and filled with possibility as we fix our eyes upon you. Give us understanding. We recognize that you are able to meet us right here, right now, and cause us to view our situation with new understanding, with hope, with courage, and with vision. Help us not to miss anything that you have for us to learn through these experiences, these times. Teach us 
And may we learn and understand more about your goodness towards us as we walk through the coming days and weeks. We pray that you would stir us up inside and cause us to reflect upon exactly who we are today, perhaps for the first time. Lead us into a deeper awareness of our own condition, and in doing so, may we find in you a true peace of mind and soul and a sense of our great worth and belonging, for we are yours. You are our true home, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. May we experience a genuine renewal and restoration of our minds and our preoccupations. Give us life. Whatever might currently be experienced in our lives as something that seems broken, lost, or even dead, may you bring it to life and grant us the patience to wait for your timing. May we rise up to receive the life that you offer to us every day, no matter our messes or our failings, our sense of inadequacy or our circumstances. We will step out of the tomb at the sound of your voice and into the bright light of your companionship and life. Give us power. We recognize that you are the one who calls us to pray and then to take from that place of communion, healing and power, the energy that we need to love our neighbors well, to be difference makers in our communities in a time of crisis. Give us vision and creativity. May we, our church, our families, our very lives be a center and source of goodness and encouragement. Give us eyes to see the needs of others and help us to offer the resources to meet them with generosity and courage. Give us fresh ideas that meet the new circumstances that we and our neighbours find ourselves in. We pray for our community and all the other churches and organisations who are working and praying and serving. We pray for all those who work in hospitals and clinics and all other essential services. We pray for the other nations of the world who are facing the same challenges as us. We rejoice at the good news of healing and community solidarity that we have witnessed. We pray that we wouldn't miss an opportunity to do good and to love our neighbours. Help us to draw upon every part of who you are in us to enable us to do so. For we pray with confidence and joy in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us uh, online uh, for this service. Uh, we pray that it's been an encouragement to you. Uh, and we really truly desire to continue to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, to love people and to do good. And it requires all of us to participate, even in this new virtual way. Uh, we are the church, and this is particularly a time for us to rise up to be the church, to be Jesus' hands, feet, voice, heart, and mind. So thank you for joining us. Join us again next week and through the week as we continue to have devotionals. Connect with Facebook. Uh, continue to keep an eye on the website. Everything that you need to know for New Song is there. And you have a great week. God bless you and keep you. Amen.